Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Mike Vardy, and I'm about to have a productive conversation from the vault with Keith Ferrazzi. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. It's me, Mike Vardy, and I am back with another episode from The Vault, which we typically do on the last week of every month, just to give me a chance to kind of get things ready for the weeks ahead, but also to give you a chance to listen to episodes that you might have missed along the way. And this is no exception. This is my conversation for May 2020 with Keith Ferrazzi. Now, Keith is... He is a CEO and founder of Ferrazzi Greenlight. It's a management consulting and team coaching company that works with many of the world's biggest corporations. Uh, He is the author of Leading Without Authority, How the New Power of Co-Elevation Can Break Down Silos, Transform Teams, and Reinvent Collaboration, and obviously the author of many more books, including Who's Got Your Back and the ever-popular Never Eat Alone. So this conversation from nearly just over three years ago which i cannot believe we talk about the book leading without authority and just dig into things that i don't normally get a chance to talk about and it was really i think this is one of my better conversations from back then for especially from that year so i wanted to bring this back for you so here we go here's my conversation from may 2020 with keith ferrazzi enjoy I'd like to welcome Keith Ferrazzi to the Productivity is Podcast. Thanks for joining me today, Keith. I'm looking forward to it. So first, right out of the gate, when I picked up the book, Leading Without Authority, How the New Power of Co-Elevation Can Break Down Silos, Transform Teams, and Reinvent Collaboration, the first thing I thought was the word authority, because it has, to, in my space, in the, in the entrepreneurial space, a lot of people say, oh, if you have authority, it means you know a lot about something. So that was the first thing I'm like, okay. Let me take a look at what this means. And as I dug into the book, that's not really what we're talking about here. I want you to share with with our listeners, what do you mean by leading without authority? Sure. Um, All too often, uh, whether you're an entrepreneurial organization and there's a a strong focus on the the dominance of of an entrepreneur, or whether you're in a medium or larger organization, where traditional hierarchy matters, I find that the two of those philosophies of leadership, where you need to have positional authority, where you are named leader by by position, I find that gets in the way of meeting the incredible marketplace demands today. The marketplace demands today are that we constantly innovate. We have transformational outcomes constantly. If we don't, we're going to get our, our butts bit. And the second thing is that we've got to be constantly agile, agile and adaptable. And then third thing is, I believe that the way in which one does that is adopting a new operating model, a new social contract within our teams, within our organizations. And I call that co-elevation. It's a, it's ignoring the boundaries and the authority and the boxes called organization charts, ignoring it, just ignoring it and focusing on a human 
person listening to this podcast with a vision or an inkling of a vision of how things could be better. And then your ability as a leader to enlist people to create that vision. And so that to me is leadership without authority. And the, and it and your operating model is not the traditional operating model of I've got to get the promotion. The traditional operating model will hold you back and will hold the organization back. And it's not fast enough. It's not fast enough. It's not powerful enough. It doesn't include enough people. Your model as a leader, whoever's listening to this, your model as a leader is that of enlistment. It's, it's the ability to co-elevate, to enlist people in a journey that creates extraordinary things. And any of you, any of you can be that leader today. One of the things you brought up in the book is the idea of cultivation, not just applying to work life as well. That was one of the things I found interesting because I think that when you're asking for people to adopt a new mindset, it's best to have it apply as widely as possible. Can you give an example of how co-elevation can work, not just within side of an organization, but as a way of, of operating in life in general? Co-elevation should and will become, once you read the book, co-elevation will become your standard for all relationships in your life. It will be clear that any relationship that isn't co-elevating is subpar to what's possible. Now, why do we have 50% divorce rate in North America? It's because we don't have co-elevating partnerships. Why, I mean, I could not lead my two children the same way my father led me. Mm. My father um, was a very traditional Italian immigrant family type. Um, I have two foster children that I got at the age of 12 and 16 who had gone through a lot of crap in their lives before they came into our home. And I had no right. I had to earn the right to be their parent. Now, I'm not suggesting that my situation is is akin to others, but I do believe that if you adopt a mindset of co-elevation in all of your core relationships, they're richer, they're easier, they're more abundant, they're, they, they achieve more, the relationships achieve more. And you know, it's not just family. I went straight to family because that was, that was on my mind. But how do you lead the PTA locally? How do you take some, some vision you have for uh, a charity you want to participate in? And how do you bring co-elevation to, uh, to a charity that you're focused on? Um, I'm been, I've been coaching political candidates on how to start to think about co-elevation as a way to build a movement of change around them as leaders. So it's quite, it's quite useful in a lot of different ways. Um, and it's needed never before has our society been more schismatic and, and dived into pockets of, um, of tribalism, but you can leverage that and you can become the leader of a tribe that didn't even know it was a tribe. I want to, uh, broaden the scope a little bit before we dive back into the details of the book, because uh, you know, mindset is such a huge, huge thing. And I mean, you've written it and never eat alone, you know, now, we're, now we're into leading without authority. It's been quite, you know, the space between those books, but mindset is one of the things that when I come across people in my own world in the productivity space and give them these ways of performing, we're going to talk a little bit about your, the scoring system that you introduced in this, in, in leading without authority as well. But why is mindset shifting so flipping hard for people <laughs> like why is it such a it, it can be a real real uh drag and it, it's it, I, i'd like to get your thoughts on that because i talk about this a lot with other guests like and often it's we well, you need to change your mindset 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 and some people like it's just a struggle 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to be just a little bit crass. Uh, I think sure. the idea of changing, <laughs> I, I think the idea of changing your mindset is bullshit. Um, <clears throat> what I mean, not that you don't need to change your mindset. Of course you do. You know, you need to move from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset or a growth mindset. I believe in all of that, but I have been researching for 20 years for Ozzy Greenlight, my company, we transform executive teams. So we go into an executive team, whether it's a small organization or a large organization. We're right now coaching executive teams at General Motors, at Verizon, at Delta Airlines. I mean, Delta Airlines, right? I mean, not sure when this podcast is going to air, but it's going through a lot right now. Um, And the, the work that we do is is, is yes, in changing mindset, but there's a great phrase. You don't think your way into a new way of acting, which would mean, boy, I'm going to change my mindset and then I'll be different. I'll behave differently. No, you don't think your way into a new way of acting. You act your way into a new way of thinking. It's the practices. It's the practices that change the mindset, not the mindset that change the practices. Of course you could, get them. And I I don't know if you, I, I, if you're walking down the street and you get struck blind and you wake up and you think fundamentally differently, yes, your behaviors will be different, but good luck on that. Um, what you can do is you can begin to practice things a little differently. And that's what we focus on. So when I work with an executive team and I want to make an executive team co-elevating, that's like I said, that's the core of our work, making teams co-elevating. I introduce new practices. So there are eight attributes of a high performing team. One of them is that a team become more candid with each other. It actually speaks the truth to each other. It won't let each other fail by having been conflict avoidant or passive aggressive, which we see all the time in the workplace. So how do you coach that into action? Well, you open up uh, a new practice. Every meeting in the middle of the meeting, you stop and you implore the group to this next five minutes, I want people to speak the truth of what's not being said. Now, the way you go about getting that out with people is instead of just offering that in the big room and hearing crickets, you break everybody into small groups of two or three, which is very easy now online if you're, if you're social distancing or even if you're leading any virtual meeting or even if you're in a room of people physically, you just turn to the person next to you, tell everybody to, to partner up and come up with one or two things that the room should hear that it's not hearing. Now that's an assignment. It's as an assignment of candor, right? Mm -hmm. And even though you may not have perfect psychological safety, such that you'll hear everything they're thinking, you'll, you'll start practicing hearing more. And then with, with, when that's reported back, if you receive that well as an appropriate gift, even if you don't agree with it, you appreciate the candor and the transparency, now you've conditioned your team to do more of it. So that's an example where you, you lead with a practice that improves a, a distinct area called candor. And the mindset is, <clears throat> I'm not going to hold back because I own my, my partner's success here, right? Mm. That's a different mindset shift. And that's, the kind, that's a co-elevating mindset shift. So what I do in the book and what we do in our coaching is we help teams adopt practices that make their teams co-elevating. And there's two places you can do that. You can do it at the team level, like I've talked about. 
You could also do it with any entrepreneur inside of a business. And I use the word entrepreneur liberally. I mean, just anybody who wants to do something bigger or better inside of a business, doesn't matter what age you are, doesn't matter what position you are. Anybody could be the tipping point for transforming a company. Now, if you want to dive into that more, we're, I'm happy to, but I did it. I was one of the youngest officers of a Fortune 500 company when I was chief marketing officer of Deloitte in my late 20s because I led without authority. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash Productive Convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. I want to talk a little bit about the rules. And I, I mean, as I got, made my way through the book, the first rule, um, you know, when it comes to leading with authority, uh, it, it really struck me because there was, there's a story that you tell that talks about basically, you know, kind of, it, it seemed counterintuitive, you know, to what people would normally be thinking. And that's right out of the gate. You get into that. Can you talk about the idea of, first off, the, the co-elevation continuum comes out of that. You talk about that in that, in that chapter in the book, in, the, in, in rule one, but the, the idea of working, there's that story and I, and I, and I don't want to give too much away, but the idea of, of working with someone that you don't necessarily feel that you would normally work with you almost feel like they're your competitor 
and changing the way that you operate around them. Can we can we touch on that a little bit? I'm not sure which of the stories you're referring to, but in chapter one, well, the introduction talks about how we're in a new world of work today. And that those of you who are listening to this podcast, if you become aware that we're in a new world of world of work and you start to adopt new work rules, you will win. You'll be the leader. You right. will have a an advantage, right? So that's number one. But then the first chapter talks about how you have to redefine team. Mm. So you might have been referring to Sandy. I am. Yep. Who, S- Sandy yeah. and Jane. Yep. Yep. So Sandy was the head of HR and she's trying, she's trying earnestly to adopt a new compensation system for the company as a whole. And Jane is the head of sales ops, who's been told by her head of sales, come up with a compensation system that makes sure we make our quarter. And she's earnestly trying to do it. And she frankly doesn't think Sandy gets it. And so she's off on her own and she can because sales wins. (laughs) (laughs) HR versus sales in many companies, sales wins. Um, And so she's off doing it and she's, Sandy feels that she's being perfectly maniacal and blocking success and making her look bad. And she's taking it personally and she gets twisted in her damn head about Jane. And the the twist was my coaching Sandy in reality and then in the book and my coaching you as listeners how to think about these situations fundamentally differently and act differently. The, the end of the story is that Jane was struggling just as much. So Jane was trying to do her earnest best. She thought that Sandy was going to stop her. In the same regard, Jane was struggling in ways that Sandy could have helped. And the two of them ended up eroding shareholder value because of their their narrowness of what their roles were and that they were working within the silos that they lived in. So, you know, you'll you'll get the story and you'll get the anecdote and you'll get the the, mm. the heroic finish. But that's the point. Now, and I go on then the next chapter, which I love, it's one of my favorite chapters, it um, which basically tries to eliminate everybody's excuse for adopting this. Yeah. <laughs> which is, uh, you know, and I don't want to get into them, but I come up with a number of what I call the the real lies we tell ourselves, the that that are the excuses that stop us from being successful. And I think in life, the chapter's called It's All on You. Yeah, that's and, that's that's I looked at that I gotta step away for a minute. <laughs> Cause it was know, one of those it was one of those stark like, whoa, wait a minute. It seemed again counter to like it, it was very, very much a a, a a shot across the bow to me. To, yeah, to you know yeah, what I mean? It's, it's a harsh, it's a harsh <laughs> chapter. Um but the good news is I have to eat my own dog food on that one. And I, and I reveal in that, in that chapter how I have blamed others for my failure. But in reality, it's me. And because there's a consistency there. And you always have to ask yourself, what's my part? And that's only one of the, the outcomes of that chapter. But, you know, we have, we have lots of reasons that we don't engage deeply with people, particularly people who we've considered difficult, like Jane in that last example. And... And that, by the way, applies to your mother, <laughs> not your mother particularly, but um, it applies to our sisters, the people who are struggled with, our neighbor, whatever it is. I mean, we've got to start taking onus of responsibility to be the the North Star of the kind of relationships we want to have. And I get very tactical about how to do that in the subsequent chapters of how do you enlist people how do you enlist people and earn followership? How do you earn the right to lead? Um, so I've sort of stepped through a couple of the chapters already, but you know, I am so proud of this book because it really is a pathway for anybody, including, listen, I know some, I know some very powerful people in this world 
who run some of the most powerful companies in the world, literally Fortune 10 companies, mm -hmm. who by adopting this mindset, put an extra a boost on their growth strategy for the company as a whole. Because we're not just talking about somebody who's in the middle level of management using this to get ahead, which is 100% available to you. But we're talking about a different way to fundamentally expand a company and the way a company thinks. And I have often found that anybody in the company can be that tipping point. I mean, who was Gandhi, right? I mean, right. who was Martin Luther King? These are individuals who enlisted a very similar process of co-elevation and enlistment of a movement. You are all capable of being movement leaders inside of your company. I did it. I did it at Deloitte. Um, we transformed the whole mindset at Deloitte through my small practices and actions. What I love about the book, and as, as I was going through it, um, is, you know, there's a lot of great stories in there, too. You just talked about that. But one of the tactical parts are really nice. I'm not going to go into this. I mean, again, I mentioned the 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 uh, the um, the co-elevation uh, continuum, which I don't want you to explain too much because I want people to pick up the book, number one. But that's an example of the if you're looking at a at an organization and you know they're like okay what's the ROI what's the bottom how do we how do we measure this right and and that's what i found really really refreshing is it's not just here here are the stories here's why but here's how you can measure it how important is that ability to because again we're talking about putting that framework in place so that there's kind of the proof is in the pudding and how important was that for you to put that throughout the book to say hey look this isn't just you know, pie in the sky idea is like, look, this is how you can see that this works. And this is how you can make sure that it, you know, it goes in the direction that you, that you would like it to go in. Um, look, the, 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 everybody listening to this call has such an amazing potential for themselves. I have always been of the belief that anybody could be anything. Right. And that part of that was because I came from nothing. I came from my, my dad was an unemployed steel worker. Um, my mom had to become a cleaning lady because the steel industry was crashing in Pittsburgh and nobody that I knew had gone to college, no family member. Um, but, but recognizing that you can go from there to today, walking in the, the corridors of the most powerful humans in the planet, um, and some of them are actually dear friends of mine. That's an extraordinary journey, you know, in my 53 years. Um, <clears throat> and I know that it's possible. And the formula that I used and refined over time, I wish I knew, I wish I could read my books when I was younger because I would have made a lot fewer mistakes. Maybe I wouldn't, maybe I would still make the mistakes. But um, I, that, that journey and that path makes me so excited that anybody listening can have that accelerated success. Um, that, you know, that trans, the, the ability to truly transform, not just you, not just your companies, but the people around you, the, the book extra, interestingly, I started writing the book totally differently. I started writing the book by believing that within every relationship that you have, even ones that are currently acquaintances, like people in the workplace, that inherent in that there was a coaching relationship that was buried in it, meaning inside of your relationship with everybody is your ability to help each other grow. That was the original idea of the book. I wanted to write a book about coaching, but how do you coach your peers? That was the idea. Right. Now, as you know, reading the book, that is deeply embedded in the book. And it's an, it is a, an important part of, of how do you unleash growth and development? 
Um, and I just find that if we could walk around in a world where the people around us are lifting us up because we have the intention of lifting them up and we all have the intention of achieving bigger things together than we would have achieved alone, damn it. I mean, that's like, that's the world I want to live in. Um, and it's not Pollyannish because I have helped, I have helped myself do it, just a kid from Pittsburgh. I've helped many other people that I've coached do it, but I've also helped some of the most powerful executives and some of the most powerful corporations in the world do it. And it has changed and added, you know, it's literally added 20% to their share price. It's allowed companies to go public that weren't going public otherwise. Um, it's really changed the structure. I mean, one company, one of the largest um, um, automotive companies in the world says that this mindset was what stopped them from going back into bankruptcy once they were in bankruptcy. And I think you could probably unfurl which company it was. Yeah. Um, and so gosh, I mean, I'm just, I so appreciate you, uh, giving voice to me and the principles of the book. Um, and I appreciate anybody listening this long, but it really is a golden path and it's the time right now is the time. Let's let's touch on ego a bit because I think that's something to get in the way as well, especially because a lot of, uh, you know, I'm being general here, but the idea of uh, setting aside ego is, is probably what you, an element of what needs to happen to, to kind of put this into practice. What do you have to say to people who are struggling with that element of when they go through the book, because like, that's something that, you know, it can be, as Ryan Holiday says, it can be the enemy. <clears throat> whose ego theirs or people the, the, the ego, theirs theirs and and actually that's actually a good point and maybe you know uh, again when you're dealing with looking at the people above you their egos because i mean you mentioned a story uh, you know early on in the book about you know you uh, when you're working at starwood and the idea of what it was it was a combination i think of two egos when i when i'm reading that that kind of uh caused that to kind of I wouldn't say fall apart, but the, the relationship to change. So can we, can we touch on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, ego is interesting. I mean, ego stops us from, from, from being eaten in society. I mean, it, it, it has value. Mm -hmm. but, um, I think a better way to ask this instead of talking about the ego is talking about the value of humility. And the, the most important humility, I mean, there's so many layers to ego and humility. One of the most important layers of humility is the I don't know myself, meaning two people's minds on this problem would be more advantageous than mine alone. That's probably at the core. If you could crack that awakening, which is, yes, a broader, more inclusive set of voices will get us to a better answer. Now that doesn't mean consensus. I make a big distinction in the book between how do you how do you get bold inputs into decisions um, that are not all your own, and how do you prevent that from bleeding into consensus management, which is a real killer of being bold and transformational. But um, look, I, I've got an ego. Mm -hmm. um, most most egos that are harmful are just born from insecurity. And once you have empathy for that, particularly your own, like if I know that my ego is not serving me, but it's born from my own insecurity, then I can go on a path of learning and development and growth to ask, how do I extricate 
that insecurity so that I can be a better leader, so that I can manifest more things in this world for me, my family, the people that I work with and for. Um, and so, you know, I think the book does a nice job of addressing this and giving all of us a path to stop being so egocentric, meaning stop being as well so insecure and isolated it, it, because we need greatness in this world today. All of us do. And we can have it, but we won't have it if we don't embrace the people around us more powerfully. And I've been studying this subject, as you know, since, you know, you know, since 2000, when I started working on uh, the book, Never Eat Alone. Mm -hmm. um, so Never Eat Alone talks about building your network more effectively Then who's got your back talks about those critical lifeline relationships. And now this is my very first leadership book. And I've, and just like I did with Never Eat Alone, where I turned networking from this transactional business card passing out thing to an authentic relationship mindset in a set of practices, I'm doing it now with leadership. It's time to redefine leadership. What do you say to the person uh, that, you know, they, maybe they're introverted or maybe they just feel like, hey, you know, what? I, I work better on my own. I work better alone. And, and right now in the season that we're in, I mean, there is that separation for a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, the idea that people have been thrust into working from home, uh, organizations are thrust into doing that as opposed to what they would nor how they would normally operate. What do you say to the person that, that, that counters with the idea that, nah, nah, I work better on my own. You're bullshit. <laughs> I mean, that's just, you know, go, go read chapter two. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Look, you, you're just, you're mediocre. And you don't even know it. And it's sad. And I want you to awaken to the realization that, yes, you might work more comfortably alone or more easily alone, but your outcomes will be mediocre. You deserve better. Finally, as we get close to wrapping up here, I want to talk about the idea of patience, because none of this stuff happens overnight, I think. I mean, a lot of people, when they try to when they read a book or especially a book that, you know, has the idea of transformation in mind. And, and, you know, as I went through the book, there's a lot, I mean, at the end of the book, one of the, you know, the, your highest purpose in writing this book, I'll quote you, is to help you incite a movement that will measurably enhance your life and the lives of those around you. And then there's more to it than that, but that's, that's a, that's bold. And that there's some patience involved with that. What do you say to the person who is all about the now, now let's, let's jump in, do this now, 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 without the, <clears throat> the consideration that, Patience is a principle that you need to kind of. I, I'm not that. I'm not, not that patient. You're not that patient. <laughs> um, I. But you got to start. Right. And what I have learned is, if you if you don't start in a place where you can get something done, and to be successful and show outcomes for it, you won't go to the next step. So I don't require, and I. This is true for all my books and all of my work and all my coaching. I, I don't require that people, um, I don't require that people, um, do it all. I want to be very forgiving and compassionate. You know, I've taken all of this and I, I put it into a course that I, that I sell. I've never sold a course before. I always sell, you know, I go from books to coaching teams, right? But, uh, I decided I wanted to put more more tools in people's hands. So I created a course, which 
on this topic that people can find at uh, FarraziLearning.com, FarraziLearning.com. And uh, when I was building the course, I wanted to put so much into it, and I did. But I also always have to be careful because I don't want to overwhelm people. I want to give them enough that they start. And once they start and get successful, they'll want more. Um, it's an interesting balance not to put the smorgasbord in front of people and intimidate them. So let's, let's leave them with what's the one simple thing. They're going to pick up the book. They're going to read it. What's one action that someone listening can do that they can take today that will help them to start leading without authority? Identify something you think you could do better or different at, the, at your company and identify one or two people who you think could add value to that discussion and add value to, um, to the possibility of that thing happening. And it doesn't have to be specific. It can be generalized. You know, we really need our supply chain to be re-engineered. We need better project management tools in the company. We need to start thinking about how to be more agile and adopting agile processes. I mean, I don't care what they are, any broad characteristic of thing. Pick a couple of people and ask that question and go to lunch and, and have, say, how could we get the company there? What could we do? And now in the meantime, if you read the book, you'll have a lot more tools <laughs> than that. Mm -hmm. but, um, but I think it's just start somewhere with a vision and start to enlist your team. Keith, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for taking the time today. The book is Leading Without Authority. Where can people pick up the book and where can they keep up with, with what you're doing? Yeah, you know, I, I, you can pick up the book anywhere. Um, it's, I've been very blessed in having had a bunch of six, great success-selling books. So lots of publishers and, I mean, lots of bookstores and Amazon, of course, you know, carry is. But um, go to FarraziLearning.com, FarraziLearning.com, and you could start to engage with us more deeply. Um, we do tips of the week and try to give you a lot of resources. We also, just as an aside, we, we started a resource center recently um, called virtualteamswin.com. And it helps people get free materials on how they can build their team effectiveness better. Um, so, you know, and using these co-elevating principles in your teams. So that might be a nice place for you to go and get some information as well. But I look forward to seeing you all on the journey. And thanks for exposing this, this uh, great group of listeners to me. Thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. You can learn about everything that we talked about. Check out all the show notes, either in the podcast app you're using or go to productivities.com slash podcast 481. And you can check the show notes out, key takeaways, all that stuff, helpful links there. You can also, uh, from the podcast app you're using, subscribe to the podcast. Just hit the subscribe button. That way you don't miss a single episode of what's to come, including conversations that you may not have heard before like this one, but it's easier to go back into the archives and find other gems as well. The other thing you can do from the podcast app that you're using right now or go directly to productivities.com slash podcast sponsors is check out the sponsors you heard on today's show. And when you do that, and there's often special deals and promos and all that, that way they know that I sent you. It's another way to support the show. That's it for this episode. I'll be back next time with a shiny new episode. Until then, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later. <laughs>